Welcome once again to the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. And I'm Kat. And today, the inevitable happens. Um, This is a moment we've all kind of dreaded from the beginning. We started doing this show, but we knew if we were going to really stick with it and really do the whole thing right, that inevitably this was going to come up. And that is the beginning of season three, by far the most divisive of all so weird seasons, and with good reason. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I think uh, over the course of this show, we've expressed before that none of us are really big fans of season three. And the big tonal change the show would face, uh, the protagonist change all bothers us in different ways. Though we know there are Annie fans out there, we know that you exist, so hopefully we don't alienate you too badly with what we're about to say. (laughs) (laughs) Because I know we all have some real thoughts on this one. Lightning Rod, the season three premiere, the last episode with Cara Delazia on it, and boy, where do we start with this one? Well, maybe we could talk, well, well, we could first talk about any memories we have of watching this episode when it aired. That's a good idea. Anyone remember how they felt? (laughs) Well, I didn't watch the show live. I watched it when it had reruns. So, and I I think I was just too young to understand any plot going on. So I was just like, okay, a new girl. But I, like I said before, I'm not a hater of season three because I liked it when I was younger. But watching now and watching it uh, before we started it's a little sad i don't remember specifically watching it the first time it aired but i do remember i liked annie as a kid i thought she was cool and from lightning rod my sister and i constantly quoted dog jack's line when he was a dog and he was talking to the squirrel you're mine fuzz butts <laughs> you could always quote that talking about our dog looking at a squirrel Uh, Yeah, that's definitely one of the highlights of this episode. Um, I don't have too many specific memories based around this episode in general, but I definitely remember watching season three when it was new, and I definitely remember disliking it intensely and being very, very annoyed that Fiona was written out of the show and not liking Annie. Um, so I would say that my opinions on season three have always been pretty consistent. I've, I've never much cared for it. Mm-hmm. Or the direction it would take the show in. Um, as for this episode specifically, all I can really remember is as a kid thinking like, like, well, wow, is that it? Is Fiona gone forever? You know, are they going to bring her back? Of course, they never did. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember watching it like the night it premiered, but I'm pretty sure I watched it around the time it premiered because it felt a bit like Whiplash to me. We had this, you know, great finale of season two in twin where fee gets to meet her dad you know it's kind of sad because she doesn't think that she'll ever see him again but at least she has her family and you know her passion's still there and all that and then in lightning rod it's like a total bummer she goes away and uh i realized recently that the reason why it may have felt like betrayal or something as a viewer is because this episode aired nine days after twin Really? Yeah. According to Wikipedia, Twin aired on August 19th, 2000. And this this episode aired August 28th, 2000, which is crazy to me. (laughs) Why was there such a delay on airing Twin? I don't know if there was a delay. I mean, maybe they, they moved it back like a month or so. I'm not sure, but... I think I'm pretty sure I watched this right around the time that it premiered this episode. Because I was like, what just happened? Hmm. And I know they were promoting Annie's arrival on the show, but they weren't necessarily saying in those promos, oh yeah, and Fee's going away. So I was pretty ticked. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely remember seeing little bumpers on the Disney Channel promoting Annie's appearance. And I definitely remember being disappointed that none of the plot threads from season two were ever picked up. Well, should we get into what Lightning Rod is about? Yep, let's just get get through it. 
Oh boy. Okay, so <laughs> the Phillips family are back in Hope Springs. Apparently Molly is beginning to, she's getting ready to go on a new tour soon. And that's when the household is visited by her old friend, Lisa, and her daughter, Annie, who is the same age as Fiona. And they bond pretty quickly. But at the same time, at the same night, Fiona gets a visit from Brick Rue, the malevolent fae that has pestered her twice before. And just as it's about to leap into Annie's body, it bounces off of her, goes into Fiona's computer, and Fiona and Brick Rue taunt each other for a while and... Anyway, she ends up reading a spell from her aunt's magic book that starts turning everybody into plants and animals, and it's up to her and Annie to unravel this mystery and revert everybody back to normal. Is that a good synopsis? I think you just hit pretty much everything. Okay. I just want to go back for a minute and talk about the monster of the week aspect of this episode, and that's the idea of the lightning rod being the idea that some people, just the paranormal comes to them. Hmm. Like lightning, which I always found that to be really weak as a premise. Because the thing that I loved about Fiona was that the paranormal stuff didn't just find her. She sought it out. She was actively interested in it. And this is where I think Annie falls flat on the ma- as the main protagonist of the show from the inception of Annie. The idea that she was set up as somebody that weird stuff just happened to. She had no interest in it herself. I'm yeah. So I think it's the second episode or the third where she actually says, like, she doesn't like weird stuff. Which is and like, what? That's the show. <laughs> yeah, and you can tell in this episode it makes her uncomfortable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, an issue I have with this is the episode really goes out of its way to make... Annie a incorporated part of the show. She can bond over Molly because they both love music and she can bond with Fiona because they both have an interest in the paranormal, though, as Kat pointed out for very different reasons. And, you know, she can bond with clue and Jack because she's a cute teenage girl. It's like the episode is going out of its way to make her interesting, to make her cool, to incorporate her into the show. And honestly, it has the opposite effect for me. It makes me dislike her. It (laughs) makes her seem like an unnatural addition. Something I noticed is that Molly and Fee both say, oh, I like this girl. And Mm -hmm. it's like, I'm imagining the writers writing that. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. yeah, the audience has to like her. So let's just keep writing this in. Yeah, please, viewers, please like this new main character. (laughs) Yeah, and Lisa also says that Annie's a fascinating kid. And I just feel like this episode told us more of why Annie is so cool instead of, like, showing us. Mm -hmm. And that's not a good way to start with a new character. Right. And And it's not a good method of writing as an English teacher. One thing that we always tell students is that when you're writing a story, you try to show, not tell. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, you know, honestly, I know this term is overused, but it makes Annie seem, you know, like kind of like a bad fan fiction protagonist, almost sort of like a Mary Sue. She's this new character. She comes in. Everybody loves her. She's naturally gifted and good at everything. What do we think of uh, Alex Johnson with the Z on the end of Alex? You know, I, I never disliked Annie, and I think that's because Alex always brought a sweetness to her. She just seems like a really sweet person, and the character seems uh, genuinely good. So that's all I have to say about that, really, at this point. <laughs> well, After So Weird, she went on to star in Instant Star, and she kept producing music. And I really liked some of her songs that she sang on Instant Star. Well, I know she was on Smallville. She played Saturn Girl on Smallville, and she was in Final Destination 3. So she has popped up in some other things I've seen. But, um, I, I mean, there's no nice way of saying it. I don't think she's as talented as Kara. I don't think she's as good as an actress. They don't yeah. give her as much to do as Kara, though, I feel like. Not as I mean, wide a range of emotions. Okay, that's fair. I mean, and it is true that, obviously, the scripts she was dealing with were not as strong as the scripts from the first two seasons. But maybe just because I dislike this new character being introduced and the show immediately saying, like, well, forget about everything you knew about So Weird. Here's our new protagonist, and you're going to love her. That I just, it makes me dislike the character, and it rubs off on the actress and makes me dislike her, too. I'm sure Alex Johnson is a very, very nice person. But... um, (laughs) 
I guess I like Annie, but I don't know if she should have been the protagonist of the show. Well, I mean, that's an issue with this episode is like there's so much baggage around it. It has to slip out the main character and bring in her replacement. And there's just really no way they could have pulled that off. That would have been good. And I feel like the way they did pull it off was pretty awkward. Yeah, the fact that the guys were over the moon for her, that just seemed really weird to me. Like, you have that scene where Clue invites her to go bike riding. Clue and Jock were supposed to go bike riding, and then Clue fakes a knee injury to get out of it so he can hang out with Annie, and then Annie decides to go bike riding instead, and Jock gives Clue this look like, oh, haha, I get to spend time with her instead. It just rubs me the wrong way. I think it's weird because... Well, I guess at that point, Jack didn't know that Annie was going to be on tour with them or living with them. So it's like they're crushing hard on this girl who's going to be with them like every day. It's weird. It's just like I said, it's another symptom of the show really trying to make us like this new character. Um, And I don't think it works. And something else, you know, we're going to be talking about a lot going forward into season three is how all the ongoing plot lines from season two are dropped. We uh, don't hear any more about Molly's possible experimentation with witchcraft as a kid or her own precognitive abilities. That's all gone. No more mentions are made of Jack's relationship with Gabe. Um, None of the other mysteries of the week that were experienced in the first two seasons are ever mentioned again. I mean, that's as a fan of those first two seasons is really, really frustrating. And to add insults to injury, starting in Lightning Rod, they introduced this idea of this mystery happened to Annie in the jungle when she was three years old. And they set it up to be like this overarching plot for season three. And I'm not going to go into it now because we'll save that for the episode when we get to it. But let me just say, after all the buildup, I am still disappointed with how lame her storyline turned out to be. (laughs) I mean, as a kid, even as a kid, I could not give less of a shit about Annie and her spirit panther and her whole grand destiny like it is just the most sweaty and desperate attempt to build some sort of compelling ongoing storyline around this character and it's not as interesting as anything from the first season i mean when you compare fiona's driving arc as a character her need to uncover what happened to her father to continue her father's interest in the paranormal to resolve this emotional trauma of losing her father when she was so young when you compare that to annie's ongoing arc which is well sometimes a ghost panther shows up and solves all her problems for her it's just there's no comparison it's just like one is really interesting and emotionally compelling and the other one is just lame and stupid and i don't give a shit about it (laughs) I think age Um, might also play a factor into that because I remember I was eight or nine years old during the course of season three. I loved Annie and her Panther. I loved Annie's music. I thought the Panther was so cool, but that's because I was eight years old and I had like Lisa Frank animal folders. (laughs) (laughs) And as a kid, I ate it all up. I loved it. But looking back on it now, it's not enjoyable and it does not hold up. And a good TV show holds up over the years. That's season one and two does season three however false spots i'm with that there because i think when season three aired i was probably around seven or eight so yeah i i really liked the panther a lot i mean i've said this before the the themes were simple so i was understanding it easier i liked it but yeah there's no really a moving plot just like a panther keeps appearing up until like the second to the last episode i think and then that happens and it's like well okay well i mean i'm a little older than you guys so i guess that's a possible reason why but you know i even watching it then when it was new i just remember thinking this is really lame and just hating it and having no interest and just thinking like, you know, I wish they would get back to Fiona because her story arc is so much more compelling. I do not care about Annie and the stupid Panther could not give less of a crap about that. <laughs> I kind of like the idea of the, the Panther, but I agree with Kathy in that it, there just wasn't anything along the way to keep me interested in the Panther. It's like, oh yeah, it kept popping up, but it's not like there were any new clues as to what happened to Annie. Right. So I, I tuned out eventually. I didn't even find out what the Panther was all about. 
I mean, this is getting a little ahead of ourselves here, but too often throughout season three, the writers use this magical Panther as kind of a crutch to just show up at the end of the episode and resolve the problems. And it happens even here. Like we haven't even really met the spirit Panther yet, but you know, when Brookrew tries to go into Annie for some reason, he can't. And we would learn that this is because she's protected by this magical force. But it's just, it's just another example of them trying to make her interesting and do these things with the character, but the character isn't doing them. The things are happening to her and it's not really especially mm -hmm. interesting. Agreed. Yeah. I feel like they tried to make Annie too perfect. And it's just symptomatic of Disney's insistence that so weird lighten up a little. I mean, when I uh, first rewatched the show a couple years ago, when I reviewed it for my blog, I said, this kind of feels like if it wasn't for the big exchange of characters going on, it kind of feels like it would be a goofy season two episode. Like I would say, as far as the mystery of the week goes, this is kind of on the level of shelter or troll. People are being turned into, you know, plants and animals. It's goofy, but in of itself, I'm not bothered by it. It's just, they brought back the people turning into animals, what, like five episodes after it featured in Shelter? It's just kind of lazy, really. Yeah. Agreed. Well, and I do, you do get the feeling that the writers were kind of in a corner here. They couldn't use any of the planning they had done for season three because suddenly they had a new lead actress and they had to get rid of their previous actress somehow. And they had a new direction from on high from corporate. So I don't really blame them for going back to the people turning into animals well so quickly because I imagine they kind of assembled the story for Lightning Rod very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. I'm not here with that. But what really bothers me is that in this episode, we see Fiona take out the book that we were introduced in Strangeling. And this is the magic spell. Brickria wanted her to read one spell and she was like, Oh, I'm just gonna why read this spell. I'm gonna read this one. Well, how about this one? She picks one at random and it's in English. Mm -hmm. When we first saw the book in Strangeling, it was everything was written in Gaelic. So to have that abrupt switch, that bothers me. Well, that's the kind of continuity error you might not have picked up on as a kid, but uh I just thought it was kind of weird that this ancient book has a passage in English. I mean, but at the same time, it's like, oh, well, you know, the kids, the characters have to say it. They have to read it. Yeah, um, it annoys me, too. What bothers me more is that Fiona would do something as careless as just read a random passage from a book that she already knows is magical and can do crazy mm -hmm. things. There's, an, you know, an episode where she read a spell and Jack got turned into something and it was bad. So it's like, you know, she should have learned from that. That is one of the things that really annoys me about this episode. I just feel like they, she wouldn't have done that. She would have thought twice, especially with Brie Crew in the mix. I mean, why did she even give Brie Crew the time of day in this episode? Well, we uh, do find out that you can contain a uh, centuries-old magical fairy on a floppy disk. <laughs> um, well, and that's hardly the only example of Fiona doing something out of character in this episode. Uh, I wanted to talk about, yeah, the character Lisa. Obviously, she was just written in there. She wasn't in any uh, history of season one or two or in Molly's history. But apparently, Lisa's always been there for Molly, even during Fee's birth or when Fee was born or something. <laughs> and it's like... Oh, uh, why would they make her so significant when in season one and two, Molly talks about everybody leaving her and being so sad. And then there's the Rebecca story, but then there's this whole other best friend that's been through a lot of things with her. Fiona, Jack, Clue, hello, let me introduce you to my best friend whom I've never met before or mentioned ever at any point in my life. And then the fact that Lisa's just like, hey, you're a musician. My kid likes music. Here, take my kid for me. Molly didn't even think twice about it, really. She was just like, okay. Yeah, you were there for me once, so sounds good. Well, just the real reason is there's no reason for Annie to go on tour with them, but they had to do something to make it work. Yeah, so it's very I guess, forced, for sure. Yeah, yeah, forced is for sure the word for it. Um, what do we think of everybody being, like the sequences of the family members being turned into animals and plants and such? You know, any particular thoughts on that? I like seeing Ned and Irene, at least, because 
I feel like we ha didn't see them that much in season two. And them being like lighthearted because I like that side of them. But if it was a goofy season two episode, I would be okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the scenes where everybody's being turned back to normal and Molly wakes up in a pond with the car keys in her mouth. No idea what's happened. You know, that's sort of cute. It's silly, but I can handle it. It's not so silly that it ruins the episode for me. It's really kind of the least of Lightning Rod's problems. Yeah, it's one of the parts where the humor works. Mm, I and didn't it's, laugh. It's the, <laughs> it's the first time where these strange things are going to happen to the family, and they're going to have n no memory of it in season three. And yeah, that happened a little bit in season one and two, but not as much as season three. Well, and it's so frustrating in light of season two where like one of the story threads was that Molly and Jack were both kind of experiencing these things more and maybe being opened up more to the possibility that weird stuff is happening. And then here in season three, it's always just weird shit happens all the time. And the family just goes, eh. <laughs> yeah, they just shrug it off and move on. Yeah. But uh, I do like the bit about the uh, magic spells being written on the leaves that shake out of clues tree uh that is sort of cute and you know it is kind of nice to see clue again i guess i wish it was under better circumstances yeah i'm glad that they had both clue and carrie in this episode because it i really do enjoy the scene where they're all having chinese food together talking about stories in the beginning it's That's mexican nice food wholesome... oh whatever <laughs> <laughs> when they're eating dinner together and they're telling stories and laughing that's such a nice wholesome moment yeah, I agree. I actually like that, too. It's fun to see the whole Phillips family, so to speak, together and interacting that way. I don't know. To me, even that scene, like the laughter just didn't feel genuine. Whoever <laughs> kept laughing, I was like, that is way too loud of a laugh. <laughs> this dialogue is not that funny. Okay? There's just nothing about this episode that you like, huh, Emily? <laughs> <laughs> nothing. I'm sorry, guys. I, I hate this episode. Well, tell us why you hate it so much. Let us know why you're so passionate. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I mean, ultimately, it comes down to Fee uh, and what her character goes through in this episode. And I just feel like they didn't need to have her give up everything that she cared about in order to get her off the show. And the fact that they did, it's so infuriating to me. So upsetting. Well, my problem with it is... You know, if they had to find a way to write Fiona out of the show, I wish they could have come up with something better than this. It's very, very frustrating that she gives up her life's mission to investigate the unknown, and she gives it all up because her family gets turned into rabbits and dogs and trees once. I mean, it's <laughs> such a weak explanation for that. I mean, I don't know what they could have done that would have been more satisfying. Like, unfortunately, it's one of those situations where you're writing out this character we've spent two years growing attached to, and there's really no good way to do that. But, God, couldn't they have come up with something better than this? Couldn't she have been abducted into the dark realm or something, anything, <laughs> other than her just willingly throwing it all away like that? I, I really dislike that immensely. For me, how I interpret it is uh, Fee's thinking back to when she was on the ledge of the building and how she almost died. Not like this whole dog and tree thing <laughs> that happened. But yeah, that's how at least I interpreted to make it okay is that Fee, you know, she almost died and her she's always worrying Molly. And that's what she says at least when she's explaining how she wants to leave. And um, she's saying to Molly, like, now you can worry about normal teenage stuff, which is kind of sad to me for Fee to say that because it's like, I'm going to leave you so you can, like, not have to worry about problems that I have for you. Yeah. That's really sad. Well, you know, if they had Especially referenced her. Molly okay. doesn't contradict her on that. That's really isolating because Fee's still a child. Yeah, you know, and if they had referenced Fiona saying, like, oh, I almost died at the end of last season, you know, maybe if the episode had conveyed that she really was fearful for her safety and the safety of her family, maybe that would have made her decision to give it all up more natural, but it doesn't convey that. Like, it doesn't reference what happened in Twin at all. I mean, I just think that because when Bricku is trying to trick her into um, not being able to mess with the spirits anymore, 
uh, he says, like, what would your father want? And Fee says uh, to protect his family. So it's like, you know, not to be in these dangerous situations anymore. Which, like, yeah, Fee ends up doing the spell, but her family's always in dangerous situations. In <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's like exactly. she gave it all up for nothing. <laughs> Exactly. And I also, also that note about Rick, like Rick didn't give it up. He kept investigating. Right. It's just so ingenuine. So, it's so against <laughs> everything we know about the character. And I also, I don't buy that Fiona saying like, okay, I'm done with weird stuff now would mean the weird stuff would stop happening to her. Like we already know that there are forces from the other side that are pursuing her. I just don't buy that, you know, her saying I'm done now would make that go away. But yeah. I thought, I thought that's what the spell was for. Was it supposed to close the door to them interfering with her family at all? Well, yeah. if that's the case, it's even worse because then Fiona's had this magic, literal magical book lying around that could have solved some of her problems all the whole time and never touched it before. But in a way, she was pursuing it because of Rick. But now she, I guess she's done with pursuing Rick, wants to be safe and protect her family. So she's done with the paranormal. It's sloppy. But There's just no other way makes around sense it. Because it, from family reunion, Fiona was interested in the paranormal for the sake of the paranormal. Yeah. Like it wasn't until Will the Wisp where she really got into it as a way to contact her father. Exactly. I mean, it's like everything that she's been doing, her interest in the paranormal, it's it's all treated as some like dangerous hobby in this episode. Like, oh, Fee, you just got to stop. This is too dangerous. But I mean, as viewers, we all know that her interest in the paranormal was so much more than that. And she, it wasn't just about finding cool things. It was about helping people, you know, helping spirits uh, rest in peace. And, and there's so much more to it. <sighs> Just makes me sad. Yeah, it's completely okay. anti-ethical to the spirit of the character. So the scene where Brickrew is talking to Fee, telling her to read the spell, um, I think Kara does it so well because she sounds so sad and defeated. And I'm like, I'm thinking, is Kara like, is she putting her own emotions in this? <laughs> like <laughs> closing her, you know, her chapter basically. Yeah. Well, it really it's seems pretty, to me. It's pretty emotional for me with the theme, Rick's theme as well. I, I always get sad on that scene. Yeah, I'm glad they bring Rick's music back. But uh, it really honestly seems to me that Kira just seems, or Kara, just seems deflated in this episode. Yeah. Like, she doesn't, yeah. she's really unhappy to be here. And I don't know why. I mean, like, to this day, it's always sort of a mystery as to why she left the show and what made her change her mind about being on So Weird. And I mean, it certainly seems, always seems like us that she basically kind of gave up on acting altogether. I know she did a couple of things after this, but it, it just feels to me like something else was going on that was affecting her performance in this episode. I don't know. I might be reading too much into it. No, I've always thought that too, because she she never sounds too excited in this episode, like every other episode and her voice, like it sounds like she's defeated, but then I don't know if that's because she's playing it that way. I don't know. The one piece of dialogue I do like in this episode is during that scene where she's talking to Molly and she makes a throwback to family reunion where she says a long time ago when I felt like everybody was laugh laughing at me, I asked you if you believed me. And that was the one reference that we get to season one in like all of season three. Yeah, so they're like like that moment, but it's so sad to see Fee say goodbye yeah. to her mom. I hadn't picked up on that. That's a good point. Um, and it would have been nice for them to have a little bit more sense of finality there. That to connect this episode overall with the emotional aspects of the first two season more. I wish they had done that more. I mean, I wish they had done a lot of things different with this episode, but uh, that especially. Yeah. It's like they come full circle kind of with that question. Do you believe me? But I still think it's really weird for Fee to make such a drastic decision kind of on her own and Molly easily kind of saying it. yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at first she's like, no, no, no. Like, don't think about, you know, yourself trying to protect me or save me from all that worrying. Like, I can do it, but she ends up letting her. And like I said, it, just, it doesn't really make any sense that Molly would accept this 
you know, I mean, they say she's not a stranger, but she feels like a stranger, the stranger into her home and make her a part of her family for the next year as they go on this tour together. And meanwhile, she just leaves her daughter somewhere else. None of it makes any sense. Yeah. Also, why Fiona would choose to live with Aunt Melinda over Aunt Rachel when Aunt Rachel was the cool aunt and Aunt Melinda has twin tornadoes who would be so annoying. <laughs> Plus, the twin tornadoes would be constantly asking Fee about the paranormal and Fee would be like, well, guys, I'm done with that. And it yeah. would just be a really bad dynamic for them. Yeah. And, you know, her aunt was the one that brought her the magical spell book. And, you know, I mean, it's in the lore. It's tier two canon that Rick's side of the family is the one that has the weird stuff in it. So it's like throughout season three, I'm just kind of wondering, like, well, what's Fiona doing? I bet it's more interesting. I bet there are no pooping changeling babies in her life right now. <laughs> <laughs> then after they do the whole uh, spell thing together. I think after all that happens, we see Annie playing the guitar and it's like, oh, that's Rick's guitar and Fee's okay with it. And then yeah, that bothers me so much <laughs> that Fee's so okay with it. Your father contacted you through that guitar. He said hello through that guitar. Nobody touches it but the Phillips. It's funny because it actually, to me, it sounds like Fee's voice breaks a little when she says it's her dad's. I don't know if that was Kara or her voice was just faltering, but, um, but yeah, I would, I can't believe she would just let this stranger play her dad's guitar unsupervised. Come on now. Well, the idea is they have to set up the fact that Annie is a musician, that she is going to be our pop star throughout this season. And, you know, I guess this episode isn't really the time to bring it up. They would get into it more in the future, but I'll just go on record as saying I do not like Annie's music and <laughs> I resent the show for shifting its focus to this bubblegum pop princess so suddenly because it went from making So Weird kind of stand out and making it something special in the Disney Channel to making it like every other Disney Channel show. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just say that now. I'm not a fan of Alex's music. Sorry to the fanboys out there. So was this music like every Disney show or was every Disney show based off the music in this show, you know? It feels like this came first in some ways, doesn't well, it? I, I mean, think it came first. Because <laughs> after Lizzie that was Lizzie. Wire. Okay, was Lizzie airing at the time? Lizzie started airing around like 2000, 2001. So same era. Okay. Well, I guess I wasn't thinking at the time that it was like every other Disney show, but in retrospect, obviously Disney likes to have these shows starring these female protagonists that are singers, and then they can they have that double edge of, oh, we can sell merchandise for the show, and we can sell their music, and it becomes part of this big pop corporate conglomerate effort cross-promotional bullshit. <laughs> Why couldn't they sell us Molly Phillips CDs? That I would still buy. Well, the obvious reason is demographically a middle-aged woman singing would not appeal to the kids the same way a teenage girl singing would. And their creepy My dads. mom would have bought it. <laughs> yeah. So with her playing, um, Fee asks her, like, oh, what is that? And Annie's like, oh, I don't know. The music just comes to me. And then she goes talking about the stick. Like, that being <laughs> such a weird thing that just, like, she has a connection with. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and we see that stick again coming back like the next episode. Really? Yeah, it's the flu, I think. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh my god. Oh, I never put that together. That's well, and that right there is just another problem with the character. Things just come to her. Like she doesn't earn anything. They happen. I that's I, I intensely dislike Annie, I guess is my point. <laughs> yeah, and and then like I think they talk some more and then Fee's or no Annie says like, Oh, your ring's nice. And she's like, yeah, it was my dad's, but the engraving wore off. And then she gives it to Annie. Oh, I can't the most infuriating that. part of the episode. It I really is for me, too. That Fiona gives Annie her ring. That is bullshit. That is <laughs> A-grade bullshit. You don't give away family heirlooms. <laughs> Especially her dead dad's. <laughs> like, Chuck know. should have the ring. If she wants to give it away, she needs to give it to Jack. Or give it to Molly. But it's not her right to give it to Annie. Yeah, not some fucking rando that just showed up the other day, you know? It really is like a random person, and it's her dead dad's. It's like she just kind of had that connection with him recently, so I would feel like she should even cherish it more. 
but she's so done with the paranormal like even the ring she has to give it away but yeah, she, i know I, that she's not like that's not what the character's doing she's just like oh here you go like you're cool no fiona would never do that i'm sorry it's just so out of character for her and you think that seeing the engraving pop up again would be concerning to her because Annie would be staying with her family and the engraving signifies attraction to the paranormal. Is that correct? I don't that, know. That's what I think. Then it becomes like the end of the ring. I'm passing the curse to you. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, good luck. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I guess, you know, we all have a lot of problems with this one. There's also, I don't doesn't say okay. goodbye to Jack. That bothers <laughs> me too. That we don't see her saying goodbye to anybody else but Molly. You know, presumably that must have happened off screen. But yeah, it bugs me that again. It's it's such a sloppy way to write Fiona out. Like they just really yeah. half-assed it. It does not feel natural. Um, I will say, you know, uh, two more points I want to bring up. I actually like the opening sequence for this episode where Fiona is talking about attraction, and we have that really weird out of place clip of some sleazy looking dude in a bar. Um, and I do like that shot of Fiona standing in the window with thunderstorm and then lightning strikes and Annie's behind her. That's like a genuinely sort of cool moment. Um, but what's up with the voice of Rick Rue? Like, am I the only one who thinks it's just bothered by that really, really fake Irish accent? Well, it sounds nothing like he does at the end of will of the wisp, but when, Brick Rose in Wisp form. So they totally got a new actor, and I don't know. It just is very cheesy. Yeah, and I have no idea who the voice of Brick Rose is. He's not credited on IMDb. If there are any so weird <laughs> scholars out there that know who voiced Brick Rose in this episode, please let us know. <laughs> I don't think we've ever known who's done that, right? Interesting. What if it was one of the writers? Just a couple of lines of dialogue that bothered me. So the first thing that bothered me, well, that I took note of was that the first words that come out of Annie's mouth are something about, you know, apologizing to Molly for the last time she was there. And then she says, I was just a kid back then and all into techno and French rap. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Hold on. This is your new protagonist. You're supposed to make her endearing and like relatable. And this is the, what you said she liked as a kid? Like, one of the first things and she says. That, like, she dissed Molly's music as a kid? <laughs> yeah. That's just ridiculous. Though I do think it's amusing because it just reminds me of that brief period in the late 90s when we were all really interested in Europop for some reason. You mean like Blue and Blue and all yeah, that? I, yeah, and, and Hathaway and What is Love and all that. There was just this brief a, you know, Ace of Base, there was this brief interest in European techno music in the 90s for some godforsaken reason. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and then one other line that I didn't like was at the end when Fee and Annie are talking and Fee cracks a joke about two teenage girls fitting all their stuff on the same bus. I've seen some strange things, but that is just too weird. I hate <laughs> Yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> it doesn't sound like anything Fee would ever say to No, me. never. So we all hate this one, right? <laughs> We're just in agreement that this is a garbage episode. Yeah. Uh, it was written by Tom J. Astle, and I think that's worth mentioning because he wrote the pilot, and then he wrote this one and was like, you know what? I don't care about my main character. I'm just going to throw away. Well, you know, I would <laughs> hope that it was not one of the creators of the show saying, oh, I don't give a shit about Fiona. Sure, fuck it, <laughs> write her out. I would hope it wasn't that so much as, you know, the word comes down from Disney. We have a new direction. We have to change yeah. our lead actress. And they were like, oh, God, you know, please you know, go to the creator of the show, have him do it. Hopefully he can cook up something that isn't terrible, which, you know, obviously he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm still bitter, guys. I'm still bitter. <laughs> the wounds still burn, you know, almost 20 years later. But <laughs> Well, do we have anything else you want to say about Lightning Rod? When Annie says wicked, that's another bad line. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they don't have her saying, that's dope, yo. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to ratings. Where does Lightning Rod fall on our personal rating scale? 
Okay, I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> uh, I gave this one when I, I was sort of surprised to look back at my old reviews and see that I gave this a six out of 10 initially, which now seems what? much, much too high. Right yeah. now, I would say I would probably stick this with a four out of 10 if I'm being generous, maybe as low as a three out of 10. I would give it a four out of 10 because I don't hate the episode. I just really, really like the scenes of Fee talking to Molly and then Fee talking to her crew where she sounds sad. I, but that's because Kara's acting. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> I was thinking three out of ten. Uh, well, I give it two thumbs down for sure. I hate this episode. Uh, it's like down there with Fathom with me is the worst episode in the show. I just hate what they do with Fee's character. And I kind of just wish they'd had Fee like fail a few classes and have to stay in Hope, Scri Hope Springs to do some extra work. I don't know anything <laughs> other than go stay with Aunt Melinda because she gave up everything she cared about. Yeah. I mean, all, you mm -hmm. know, even if they, how would we have felt if instead of writing Fee out of the show, they had just straight up recast the part, like would that have been better or worse? Ooh, Worse. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> I don't know. Because it's the character. At least with V, like, there's a beginning, there's an end, and there's a little bit bad end, but it still didn't ruin it totally. If it would have recasted it in the same episodes that we got in season three as V. I mean, that's a good point, but I almost feel like this episode is so awkward and the way they write Fiona out is so sloppy that I almost feel like if they had not acknowledged the change at all and just continued on with a different actress, it, it maybe would have been less embarrassing to watch. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think people still would have crashed it. Oh, I mean, of course. Yeah, I know. And this is, you know, it's notable that this is like one of the first things people think of when they when So Weird comes up at all, which is not often, the fact that people usually immediately go, I like the first girl better than the second girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Also, I still feel very strongly that Annie was not needed, and Kara could have easily been written out, and they should have made Jack the lead protagonist. Yeah, best option. Yeah, that would have been a much smoother compromise than what we got. And if they weren't the pop star, Patrick Lovis can sing. They could have made him the pop star. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to imagine him singing Annie's song. <laughs> okay, so are we doing a feedback corner this week? Yes. Great. This is from Andrea on Shelter. She said... Although this episode is not my favorite, I do like the moment you pointed out where Molly asks for a hug from her kids before they go to pick up the cat. Also, did you notice in that moment that she seemed to be more comfortable with Jack driving? She didn't hesitate or pause before thanking him after he offered to drive around and run some errands. It seems to me like a very subtle way of showing Molly's efforts to try to move forward with her life and to not let herself be held back by the fear and pain brought on by Rick's passing. Well, thank you, Andrea, for your constant <laughs> support of the show and for your thoughts. But um, uh, that the cat thing uh, totally derailed me because then I remember there's a cat that shows up out of nowhere in this episode. <laughs> and where's, where's the cat in season three? Yeah, well, like, like there's that, a great cat. Houses. You know, there's a gray cat oh. that shows up in the window of Fiona's room, and is that the Phillips family cat? Is this a stray that just wanders in? I mean, wh who did, <laughs> where does the cat come from? What is the cat's purpose? Sorry well, to completely derail. Well, their cat because he sees it and thinks that it's Annie. Well, yeah, so once again, which where the hell did this friggin' cat come from? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, she commented on Twin. She said, Twin is a top favorite episode for me, and I cry almost every time I watch it. Love is Broken is my favorite of Molly's songs, and I think it's brilliant. In the full version, there is a part of the song where there is over a full minute of only musical notes and no lyrics, and it serves the show well for two reasons. First, it allows the audience to hear that excerpt from the song during the rooftop scene. That way, the audience can hear the music. But there are no lyrics to interrupt or overshadow the dialogue during Fiona's and Rick's reunion. And second, the instrumental portion of the song is great for Molly as the singer because it is a very heartbreaking, deeply personal ode to a lost loved one. And she sh 
And should she ever find herself becoming emotional while performing it, she has a full minute to recover herself if she feels she needs to. And in fact, I imagine she needed that minute. There is no denying how torn and hurt she looked during and after the performance. It is an interesting point that Fiona's memory of her father could be considered awful and scary because of the encounter with the dark spirit. But on the positive side, she will remember that her father saved her and she will remember that she knew for absolutely certain that day that Rick does and will always protect her and the rest of the family. And let us not forget that thanks to Nick, she also has a memory of Rick dancing with her when she was a baby and it is untainted by darkness. That's wow, another that is some great thing. insight. And it just led okay. me to question, now that Fiona has closed the door, does she still retain those memories? Because she forgot Brickerio's name. Does that imply that she's forgotten about all the paranormal encounters she's had? If that's the case, that would piss me off even more. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really sad. But she does have knowledge of the paranormal still because Annie, uh, she asks me for help. So... Oh, yeah, because Annie can't do it by Um Yeah, Andre, thank you so much. That's some really wonderful insight. And I think we all love Love is Broken here. Yeah? I think it's a favorite of each of us. Yeah, one of the best ones, definitely. And I cry almost every time I watch it, too. Even more so now. Yeah, I got pretty sad watching when Molly, no, when Fee was saying bye to Molly. I was getting teary-eyed. Okay, so we got it. Some comments on YouTube from Wisdom on Shelter. <clears throat> I don't think I've read this one. They said, if we go with Fee being a witch, the cat might be her familiar family or something like that. Also, I apologize for commenting a lot. I just love the show so much. Also, do you think some of Molly's songs might have been spells? The Rock is evidence of that. Hmm, that's an interesting thought that Molly's spell Molly's songs could unwillingly be spells. That's huh. That's good fodder for fan fiction there. Do they mean yeah, like the the stuff at the end that's in Irish or uh, Gaelic? And also never apologize for commenting too much. <laughs> it is we interesting love- to know that while it's not a spell in the darkness was supposed to be like a premonition type of what Fiona would have had to go to to rescue her father. And then Love is Broken was another premonition song about uh, the night that Rick died or Rick's impending death. I just love the idea that somebody could unconsciously be doing magic by just doing the things that they are driven to do by their love of art or their muse or what have you. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a really cool idea to me. Yeah, thank you, Wisdom. And this is from Sarah. She said, on Shelter, Another thing that's weird, odd, about the Phillips family suddenly having a having a cat is that in season three, and forgive me, I don't remember the name of the episode, but when they go to that Egyptian museum, Molly mentions that she's allergic to cats. Oh my god! Just another <laughs> example of the sloppy ass writing in season three. They weren't even fucking well, trying. Well, I guess that explains why they got rid of the cats. <laughs> but it still doesn't explain where the hell this cat comes from in Lightning Rod. But <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Of course. <laughs> and from the GSTV reviewer, they commented on our twin episode. They said, what a breathtaking episode this was. I'm curious to see the alternate ending to season two and how intense Fee's confrontation with her father only to be taken away to hell. Then again, I understand why Disney opted out to go with the original route. Well, they'll be happy to hear the previous episode when it comes out. (laughs) Yes. And that's it for the feedback. Okay. Well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of dreading the feedback we're going to be getting for this season because I know how we're all going to react. And I know that, we will probably get some people coming in who are fans of Annie in season three and oh boy. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, we're going to have some season three fans on the show with us. So that'll be good. Hopefully they will help balance it out a little. (laughs) So, so we're not so completely overwhelmingly negative. (laughs) Well, are we all done for today? Have we said all we need to say on the subject? Well, I was thinking, we could give a shout out to our subscribers on YouTube since we hit a hundred subscribers. 
Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't even know what the number is now. Do you know? Oh, 109. Very cool. So, Thank you so, so much to everybody who listens through YouTube. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Like always have said, I didn't expect our podcast to really have many listeners <laughs> or the channel to have many subscribers, but yeah, over 100 is it's just really cool. And then to see the the views that our videos get, how some of them have over 100, over 200 views is just really, really cool to see. Yeah. And it seems to me that a lot of people are listening to podcasts and things of that nature through YouTube, which it was sort of backwards when I got into the podcast game. You know, if you want your show to be popular, you had to have it on iTunes. And now it seems like you almost don't have to have your podcast on iTunes for it to reach an audience. But um, I, I don't know how most people find our show. I don't know if it's through YouTube or through the podcast feed, but either way, you know, thank you and tell your friends. What, what did the you say? The fact Kat? that we do have over 100 subscribers is a testament to just how strong this show was. The fact that it still resonates with so many fans today. So thank you to everybody for sticking with us as we stick up for the show. Yeah, and if we can get about 10,000 more followers, maybe we can convince Disney to finally <laughs> give the show some sort of official release. <laughs> Speaking of which, another thing I wanted to bring up is that, you know, we've been saying that we didn't think that Disney would ever release any other shows on DVD from Disney Channel, but they did recently announce that Gravity Falls is going to be released uh, the full series will be released on Blu-ray, I believe, and DVD. I'm not sure. But either way, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I saw I that's guess. coming from the good people at Shout Factory. And, you know, we're entering this age where physical media is kind of past the point of being a relevant thing. Like, I'm a big collector of physical media. I have well over a thousand DVDs. And, um, and to me, like... It, the idea that physical media is a thing that people are no longer buying is baffling. But I think going forward into the future, it's going to become more of a niche thing. I don't think it's ever going to go away. But uh, I think the fact that something like Gravity Falls, which is a show that had a big cult following and a lot of people really, really love and are very passionate about, um, is just another example of how physical media going forward will be more for the hardcore collectors and the cult following. Because obviously the people who really, really love Gravity Falls are going to want to own it. So... But that yeah. was cool. I did see that. And I probably will be picking it up. Yeah. Someone asked the people at Shout Factory if they would be doing this with any other Disney shows. And they said that the contract that they have with Disney was just for Gravity Falls. So, yeah. yeah. That's so disappointing because, you know, Shout Factory would be perfect for So Weird. Like, they've done so much cool work, so much good stuff. Like their people, when they do a project, when they release it, they're really passionate about it. They go out, they make good special features. Like, you, you know, a decade ago when the TV on DVD market was really exploding, that would have been the time for So Weird to come out and a company like Shout Factory would have been so perfect for it. You never know, guys. Keep the faith. <laughs> Keep the faith. I would love to be proved wrong. Well, if there's nothing else to say, I guess that concludes this episode of the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. And I'm Kat. And we want you to keep the faith. Though I have eyes, I close them tight. Snuff the candle, douse the light. Willingly, I lock the door break the key to see no more.